Hello, I'm Katie Manning and you're very lucky because you're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Enjoy! Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 501 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where we're keeping it short and sweet because after a full two weeks, we are still tired. I'm Julie. And I'm Kier. This week, it's just the two of us in the booth as we recap our experiences as a Whovian family at Long Island Doctor Who convention, or L.I. Who. Three days immersed in fan culture and surrounded by the cast, crew, creators, and fans of our beloved show is a lot to process. But we jump in for plenty of reasons. Now, you heard us talk about things as they were about to happen when we chatted a few weeks back with Ken Deep, who is the convention showrunner. Now that we have tumbled out the other side, we can look and see how it all worked out. We've got a few great topics to hit, so we'll just take turns picking and see what we think. All right, you take first dibs. What do you want to talk about? First dibs, I think uh, the date and location. Okay. Uh, Doing this in August instead of November, I was a little hesitant about it because I kind of like, well, I love the fall season. I like being able to kind of walk around outside the venue every once in a while, get some cool air. This was definitely warmer when we stepped outside, but it had everybody's spirits up. I think it let our ability to roam a bit more with the kids outside was a little easier. Very true. For one. And I think too... I gotta say, having a summer con where there's less responsibility waiting at home for other stuff, we're not trying to squeeze in the driving, Mm. things like that, made it a lot easier. And I think you could tell that from others who are in attendance as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, It might have made a a couple of of, uh, cosplays a little more complicated if you needed to step outside for a phone call or to grab a bite to eat. Um, But uh, once you're inside... AC's cranking. And I think that brings us to location where I would say the DoorDash was a perfect delivery (laughs) service and that was great for the location. Yeah, that's true. If you found yourself a little bit limited with the the one uh, hotel restaurant, uh, as hard as they were working to try to accommodate a couple hundred people dropped on them, um, that you had plenty of options around. And uh, yeah, even for us, and we tend to be more complicated. Yeah. (laughs) So um, how about if we take the... Oh, let's go for low-hanging fruit. How about the fan panels? I enjoyed the fan panels very much. I always feel they're very well curated, and I think you can definitely tell there's a bit of excitement in being on them, being involved, and then attending and watching your friends up front do their weird, crazy thing. Yeah. I mean, this at at heart, and this is something we talked about before, it's a fan con, you know, uh, by fans, for fans, uh, about fans, really. So that tends to be something that gets a lot of uh, heart and soul 
poured into it. And you can tell those panels where you've got a moderator who's really prepared a lot of materials and there's and all kinds of great things involved, you know, whether it's sort of a challenge game formatted sort of thing or whether it's a deep dive on a topic that matters a lot to the folks up front. It's uh it's always it's it's always a good one. And and this is no exception because the rooms are small enough that there was a lot of QA with the audience in almost every panel I sat in with or or at the back of the room. So nice to see all of that exchange constantly happening. And to that point, I feel like there was some very heartfelt moments in some of the panels that we were on where mm. personal stories we were sharing as the panelists, but then I feel that people did feel comfortable in sharing their stories too, which going back to that, why are we here? It's for us, the fans, and to celebrate this show that has changed our lives. It's amazing. Very true. Yeah. The, uh, I think that, that one in particular that we did regarding, you know, it's been 10 years that, that they've been doing Eli Who, uh, that uh, our friend Drew Meyer from, um, from the Never Say Diecast and Dr. Who and Company, or Who and Company, sorry, there's no doctor in the title. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that's, that's one in particular that gave us an opportunity to just sort of enjoy ourselves and the fact that we, as a, this group, this weird conglomeration of people that just keep coming back again and again, as much for one another as the con. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a decent, segue for you into another topic though yeah so the next topic i'd like to go with is the attendees so us right why are we there why do we keep going back well it's us and everybody there that's in our position you that's know? what i mean the royal us yes yes of course. Us, 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 of course us. it's so refreshing to see the same faces new faces and people just genuinely loving being there together mm -hmm. and recognition of everyone as we're walking by yeah it, it came up on that uh, on that 10-year panel that we had seen a lot of growth among our our cluster you know the, the social circle that may have begun as sort of acquaintances oh you know, i recognize that person i've seen them at the con for a couple of years now and then a few years later now i know their name now i know their family name now i know you know that their kids are graduating from school now their kids are getting married what the heck is happening here time is slipping by you know and, and we're watching all of this develop and and it becomes this this really fascinating dynamic it, it has a heart all its own yep and one thing that was huge this year were these little dalek uh, oh, they had a little microchip game. There were little microchip games that you could play that were given to uh, first 50, I think, for each day. And the thing that brings me back to this in, in this section, this question, is the family who put these together were longtime attendees. She was on that 10-year panel with us. And her kid grew up and then helped to build all of these. Mm -hmm. And then they're passing that love of holding little things, engaging with others, it really got everyone to interact with each other Very because true. you could type the circles from other attendees also yeah. and and then print out a little story of your Dalek meeting all of these other Daleks. Yeah. And it had some games. So big, huge shout out both to the entertainment of our little one as well as the get everyone to have a very easy excuse to talk to each other mm -hmm. in in. I, some of us are don't have an easy way to do that with others, even though we're with our people. Yeah. And, and it just really opened those doors and made that really accessible for everyone, in my opinion. 
Yeah, really well done. So uh, congratulations to our uh, primary developer, uh, now known as Other Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, uh, we also had, uh, obviously because of the, the nature of, uh, of these conventions and what we're here to do, we're here to celebrate the, the fandom and that means the guests. And we had uh, a wonderful opportunity as always, um, not only seeing and hearing from, but also getting opportunities from time to time to interact with the guests too, because it's such an intimate convention and you're in a, you know, a designated, the hotel is only so large kind of space and the, the signing tables and the photo uh, areas are all right there. So you get to be, you know, elbow to elbow with a, with a lot of folks uh, on a regular basis, and then get some really interesting energy out of them when they sit in on their uh, their sort of keynote um, interview panels as well. I think being able to make some restaurant recommendations, holding elevators for, as well as just generally visiting and chatting with guests as well, it's it's great to see. Who was the the standout for you? I mean, our panel that we got to do with Mickey was really great. And then seeing he and his friends kind of around and afterwards being able to say, oh, this was great. We really liked this interaction and these questions that you <laughs> put to him. The whole Bristol contingency and, that yes, kept coming exactly. up. Like, ah, oh, I hear that accent. Another, you're another one of Mickey's troop. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> so that was, that was utterly enjoyable. Uh, being able to take some photos. Oh, Yeah. That was, uh, you know, our, our family photo this year had a master crash and uh, just <laughs> so, I grumpy, love it. so grumpy, so <laughs> grumpy. Uh, but he, uh, Sasha was actually the, just a, a delight throughout. Um, I had had the opportunity to, to meet him and, and sort of get his off screen vibe uh, when I met him at uh, Gallifrey One. Uh, but here seemed even more chilled, probably because it was a, a smaller overall group of people didn't feel maybe necessarily quite as a uh, um, as under the scope uh, or crushed. And when he got a chance to do his uh, sort of headline interview panel with our friend Kat, she riffed with him. They were just goofballs, you know, just enjoying a conversation. It wasn't even an interview for an hour. But then also to say that his comfort level with the group. And the amount of people in the room allowed him to ask a question back to the crowd a couple of times and really get some feedback for, similar to the question we asked at episode 500, what does Doctor Who mean to you? Why is it still around? How are we able to keep this thing going? Got a really great answer from someone kind of standing in the back corner. Oh, there's a friend, Tom Beck. Yeah. yeah. And, and then Tom was able to go up and was gifted the little <laughs> master. True, the balloon. Balloon uh, twist. Cre- from, uh, caricatures. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Pop and Twist. Pop and Twist. And uh, you could tell that that was just a very emotional connection yeah. from both sides. Mm-hmm. And what is. What's Sasha supposed to do? Take that balloon on the plane and have a little seat for it like Mickey <laughs> did? Or gift it to someone who's going to cherish that moment and really. Uh, then be encouraged to speak up, ask questions, share thoughts and opinions in future panels as well. Yeah. It was really rewarding to know that the conversation was not just a matter of a volley of, of Q&A. It was just this sort of organic chatter that if it weren't Sasha sitting up on a dais having that conversation, it could have been any one of us uh, sitting out at one of the tables out in the patio or something, having the exact same conversation. So it's it's endearing uh it's really heartwarming to to know that everybody's sort of coming in at that level at that same level it, on that patio uh, i actually had an opportunity to sit and chat with michael troughton for a few minutes and got a chance to not only talk 
with him about all the things that tie him into the Doctor Who scope, obviously, um, son of Patrick Troughton and, and has appeared in Doctor Who episodes himself uh, and has done a number of audiobooks for the property. But we got a chance to talk about things slightly outside of that, too. Uh, some of his background and, and family life and all kinds of fun stuff. So enjoy this. <laughs> uh, I know you've been you've been asked quite a bit about uh, about the books uh, that you've published for your father sure. and, and the opportunities uh, yeah. on set in your youth. But I was wondering specifically um, with with everything that you've been pouring your energy into from the from all of the projects, the interviews, the the occasional trips across for events like these. What would you say gives you the greatest return on investment for your energy? What do you feel most redeemed by? I think it's the Doctor Who camaraderie, this convention family that uh, I feel there's a there's a kind of you know you get a lot of regular people turning up to a lot of the especially the American ones, um, and and there's this wonderful camaraderie about a very simple science fiction idea that has developed into this huge, absolutely huge. Um, family and the most i get from it is hearing the stories either about dad or about what i've been in um and some of the stories especially about dad are really really touching um this morning i had this lovely gentleman come up he must have been in his late 80s and he said to me i was uh, at the convention um where uh your father passed away and I had not got to see him and at that point he actually started to burst into tears it was it was such a moment that he felt he'd missed uh, you know and and that's the kind of you know I mean obviously that's a very sad thing there are some lovely joyous stories as well very funny ones um, but that I think is what motivates me you know, and especially, you know, I had um, at another uh, convention, I had two really young ladies come up to me uh, and say, we've been following your career since we were three. And I was totally bowled away by it. And they were they were quoting productions. I can't even remember I did, <laughs> but they're absolutely right. And I was bowled away by that. And I think sometimes, you know... <laughs> As actors, we sometimes take for granted the importance uh, that audiences put on what they see, especially these sorts of, you know, these sorts of very cult How things. deeply it roots into them. It totally is. It's part of their life um, and a very important part of their life. So one really has to have that wonderful respect. And that's what I love about it. It's that family feel. Mm. Yeah. The, uh, the, the audiobook and the narration work that you've been doing quite a bit of uh, sure. uh, of late uh, has been uh, entertaining because it's clear that the effort that you're putting into trying to differentiate character and persona through inflection and tone and things. So for someone who, uh, as a result of some recent innovations that are making it easier for people, uh, uh, younger people who want to try their hand at voice work and things like that, yes. what would you recommend to them for, for people trying to, to find their way in? I mean, there are many ways in. Um, 
it's just it is incredibly difficult at the moment um there are so many people trying to do it it's true and to be warned you know you shouldn't go through the you know the companies that say you know an upfront fee of 200 pounds will find you lots of voiceovers because that doesn't work um i think the only thing you can do is do a really really good reel okay whereby you have uh, different you know you know your different qualities on a reel and try and tout them around i mean it's so easy now you can send you know sound by email or by you know any any means really mm-hmm. and basically drip like a tap and eventually someone will hear a certain bit of your reel and go yeah we'll use you and once you get that that's that's the point you know you're in you, right. you can start to progress because you can say well actually i've done this right and you're you're approved um but apart from that i mean i i i'm really very you know i i wouldn't want to start to be an actor uh, now mm. it was a lot lot easier uh when i started okay you know it was it was a struggle of course but you know i there are so many people uh so many people going for castings now that true you know i, I mean i'm semi retired so <laughs> i've i've stopped doing so much I, i do my home studio i have a home studio and i i do audiobooks as you say for uh, audible right um and uh, voiceovers and the big finish stuff the doctor who big finish stuff where i'm playing dad right uh yeah so that's fun yeah fantastic yeah. well that that sort of pokes me a little bit so it seems to to an outside observer at times that as if the entire Troughton family has some penchant for performance whether it's stage screen sport uh oh certainly sport yeah, yeah 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 I taught him by the way in the garden <laughs> when he was eight all right you can claim that <laughs> yeah sure can yeah so is it uh is it nature or nurture is it something in the DNA is it you know I really don't know because before dad the, I, we've looked back my brother has done a search you know he, he he looked back at the the family tree there is no one who was an actor before dad okay there was nothing that he can find they were uh, solicitors uh, they were uh, running businesses and for some reason uh, dad was given the chance to act and he was very lucky because he was the younger one and he came from a family a very traditional family that the eldest son would take on the business and of course dad was allowed to do what he wanted because it didn't matter he was like the second son right right and uh, he was able to um you know uh it was interrupted by the war of course but uh, he was able to continue being an actor i don't know where it came from it must have been a dormant gene <laughs> i really don't know and from that sprouted that whole sort once of, awakened the uh, the yeah. trout and rash we call it <laughs> <laughs> fantastic <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll I'll flip things on you. You you spent some time teaching physics. Yes, I did. Yeah, and yeah. I'm curious, as one who actually taught uh, in in primary school for a little while, and I enjoyed teaching the sciences. I found that physics was an interesting science discipline, particularly to teach because it was it was dynamic by its very nature. Do you think a performance background lent itself to wanting to sort something that had to do with motion? Hey, listen, I. I used all the skills I possibly could. I was forced into, well I wasn't forced into it. I've always wanted to have a go at teaching. But my situation, my family situation meant that I couldn't go away from home so much. Right. So I decided that I'd take, you know, 7 or 8 years out 
and do uh, qualify as a teacher, which I did in two years, um, because I th- I think it's called fast tracking in the UK. Okay. Uh, and I I went to a school uh, and I'd always wanted to um, fulfil my childhood love of science um, because I I you know I didn't really didn't want to be an actor to begin with when I was a kid I wanted to be a scientist so I thought I'd pursue that and uh, get a university degree uh, with the Open University um, in science uh, and majoring in physics and astrophysics. Uh, I then uh, applied for a job at uh, a particular school, local school, and got it, and started teaching. And I used I used my performance skills uh, to demonstrate. Uh, I, I treated the lessons a bit like a performance, uh, mini performances, and I used the dynamics of physics as you were talking about. This wonderful, uh, I mean, you know the simplistic ideas of, of particles mm-hmm. and the different three states of water. Right. And so I'd have the students, you know, jiggling around if they were hot. Right. And then I'd have them very slow. You know, we do all sorts of movement things. Yeah. And then I'd do demonstrations with, you know, all the wonderful things where you get electricity, your hair stands on air and all <laughs> right. that. And the kids, they absolutely adored it. Yeah. They really did. And uh, I think that dynamic way that instinctive sort of performance that I had as a teacher really stood me in good stead because the children, they just absolutely adored it. They really did. And physics became quite a major subject suddenly. And the headmaster said, do you know, physics has never been this popular, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Job done. Yeah, job done. I felt really proud. I really did. And then I went on and taught a bit of drama as well. Yes. Because they could not use me as drama. Well, the last thing we'll check with you, and it's, it's something we love to find out from people, is uh, it has to do with what we refer to as everyday or, or mundane superpowers. Right. Everybody has one. It's something that they can do. With, someone can always open a jar uh, without being asked to. Someone can can hang a perfect painting on the wall without a level, or they can they can uh, they can esti- they can pour a perfect pint or something like that. It's something. It's it's not going to change the world, but it's it's an uncanny ability. Yeah. What is Michael Trout's wow. superpower? <laughs> My superpower, you know, I really don't know. That's a really tricky one. I have to really think about that one. Um, I think, I suppose, because I've been brought up a gentleman, uh, in the true sense of the word, a gentleman, I think I'm able to cheer people up. I'm able to, if I see someone, you know, a friend or whatever who's depressed, by the end of five minutes with me, they're absolutely they're feeling wonderful they're happy and they've forgotten about this particular tiny thing that was annoying them so i think that's probably my superpower i'm able to you know send my joy to them it's a kind of it's telepathic i think but uh yeah i've always been able to to make people happy if they're sad yeah. that's one hell of a gift to share yeah yeah no it's great it's really good well uh, thank you so much for spending a little time out in this sunny patio it's it's lovely in isn't new it? york in the summertime i know i know for us yeah yeah it's been really lovely here actually but oh, you know over the three days i'm looking forward to uh, going into new york and having a week doing the sites excellent yeah, excellent how yeah. have you been oh i've been before yeah yeah we did uh, downtown uh, last time so we're gonna do uptown <laughs> fantastic all yeah. right
Welcome back. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I was still going to get a cup of tea. Sorry. Uh, I'm back now. Well, um, we had a, a hell of an experience. Um, we did not take as many photos as we should have, but we're notorious for doing that sort of thing. We knew that many were taken, though. So if you were there that weekend, um, toss them at us on social media because I, I, I honestly, I like, I don't think I took my phone out of my pocket once. I made sure we got our, hey, we got here photo. Mm-hmm. And then I made sure we got a couple other photos with people individually. Yep. Yeah, we got a few selfies and one or two at the TARDIS because that's obligatory. Yep. But other than that, oof, little, little thin on the photo album department. So memories. Yeah. Help a podcast out here. We'll we'll make the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> we have also learned that the next installment of the convention, which is lovingly titled uh, Li Who Plus, will in fact happen, uh, as we discussed, in August of 2024. And if you want details as those things develop, just keep tabs on the Li Who website uh, or on their social media channels and you know, do it that way. Yeah. We hope to see you there. Shall we go into some news? News, news, news. Single item, I think, uh, of conversation at the moment, just because uh, it just dropped within a day or so ago and was one of these things where I, I almost want to put a spoiler bracket on this. I would put a spoiler bracket. Yeah. Uh, it's something that I enjoy knowing, but also part of me is like, hmm. Yeah. I kind of want to find this out on the show. So spoiler alert. Yeah. So uh, skip ahead two minutes if this is something you want to you wanna avoid, although I'm not really sure how you can avoid it because it actually came out on the official Doctor Who social media channels, so that's why I was not really sure if you can label it. Which I'm pretty sure is the only reason why I'm not too mad at you right now. Yeah. It's okay. okay. Well, it's uh, – all right. If, if For those of you who have now, uh, remained in the room or kept your, your earbuds in, um, this is just a confirmation of a fan theory uh, about the 60th celebrations that we thought was the case and just never had official verification. But it was verified that Yasmin Finney's character – named Rose Tyler, and everyone's like, oh, is it an alternate universe Rose Tyler? Is it what's going on here? Is, in fact, as we were surmising, going to be the daughter of Donna Noble uh, and Sean Temple. So that's, I mean, it's it, it seems like, okay, it's a little bit of character lineage and backstory thing. And, and it's, it's interesting to know because it makes you wonder, how did Donna know to name... You know, their daughter, Rose Tyler, there must be something still bubbling in the back of her mind. And I think that's cool enough to just rest on that. I think for me, I love that they are tying into, hopefully, we may or may not find out more about it, but that little sliver of even if it's just the subconscious that Donna was able to somehow keep a piece of all of her excitement and time somewhere in the back of her brain, I like that theory. At a minimum. So we'll see what happens and where that comes into play throughout the where we see their journeys go. Yeah. You can never fully erase the tape. You can never completely wipe the hard drive. Yeah. I mean, unless you take a hammer to it. But anyway. I, I, I think that's inappropriate. Yep. Anyway. I, I, don't think Kat, I don't think Catherine Tate would take kindly to that. I think she'd be pretty scrappy in a fight and take, take offense to that. Oh, geez. She's got to be a bruiser. <laughs> When we convene for our next episode, we will be back into the rotation, and we are coming around on our classic rewatch. We are in the Sixth Doctor era, and that means Vengeance on Varos. I think Julie knows more about this one than she recognizes from the title. 
I can neither confirm nor deny that. You absolutely can, because you have no idea. Do not know. <laughs> but uh, until that time, this has been episode 501 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until the next time, this is Kier saying I will be out on the patio having some sweet cashews and bourbon with Paul McGinn. And this is Julie saying I have a list of books that I need to read from Mickey Lewis, and I will be reading those as well. Leave the lights on. They're Indeed. horror books. They are horror, psychological thrillers. We about to be scared up in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Jacob Hansen. Gallifrey Public Radio is copyright 2023. We'll see you next time.